take your Bibles and turn with me to Job chapter 31. Job 31. Last week in Sunday morning, um, we talked a little bit about the topic of clothing. And what I'd like to do this morning is to deal with a topic that's related for all of us as men and boys. And I'd like to start with Job and something that he did that I think is a very good idea in setting an example for all of us in relation to the world we live in that is very... Ah, lascivious. And I use that word not to be cryptic. I use that word because it's a good Bible word really to describe the the godless, sensual culture, the world we live in, where people wear and dress in ways that are not right. And um, there's a lot that we can't do about that. Um, not that we can't do anything about it, but there's a lot that we can't do about it. And so the question is, how do we respond and how do we behave ourselves and conduct ourselves in such a culture and world that is so lascivious, a world that is so focused on, on a sensual and godless perspective? And I think that this isn't unique to our time. I think it was real even in the days of Job. And Job, I think, set us a good example here in chapter 31 and verse 1. Job said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? He says, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? We live in a world where maids, these are women, are oftentimes not dressed appropriately. And so what do we do? How do we behave ourselves in those cases? Well, Job, I think, set a good example. He says, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Well, let's look at a few words here. What's a covenant? What's a covenant? Elijah, what's a covenant? It's a promise. Hmm. How do you make a promise with your eyes? Well, it's this way. You, you make a promise with your eyes saying, eyes, there's some things we're not going to look at. And when we do see certain things, we're going to look away. Make a promise with your eyes, a covenant with your eyes, saying we're not going to look at some things, and when we do see things, we're not going to keep looking. We're going to look away. That's the kind of promise that he's describing here, and he says he's made a covenant with his eyes. And here's what's fascinating is that he talks about it here with his eyes, and then he goes from what he sees on what's outside, external. And Job then goes on to what's on the inside, what you think about. So here he's saying, I've already made a covenant with my eyes. This is obvious that there's certain things I'm not going to look at or certain things that when I do see them, I'm going to look away, especially in regards to women. So why then? Why then would I think upon a maid? Because sometimes we may do a good job at looking away or not looking at things we shouldn't look at, but are we just as careful with what we think about? 
Are we just as careful what we think about? Um, because just like we may make a promise or covenant with our eyes that we won't look at some things, or if we do see things, we will look away, so too, when we have a thought that comes into our minds, we will take it captive. There's some verses that talk about that. Have you know what it means to take something captive? Have you ever taken any of your siblings captive, William? You have? <laughs> you mean, oh boy. What's that mean you did? You caught them and you locked them in the bathroom? You have, haven't you? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Well, that just like you might take something captive and block it away, so here we have the instruction in the New Testament of taking every thought captive in obedience unto Christ. And, and so here that's exactly what Job is saying here. Not only has he made a covenant, a promise with his eyes that there's some things he will not look at, and if he does see things, he will look away, he also says that when things come into my mind that are not appropriate in thinking about women, I will take them captive. I'm not going to think about it. You know what? I think we can learn from Job. Don't you? So, so a question one time was asked me, when you see someone or you see something that's wrong, well, what in the world are you supposed to look at? Well, let me tell you the first thing you need to look at you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, all these people recorded in chapter 11 who were people of faith, men and women of faith, this group of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin with dust so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So tell me, who's the first person we need to look to? To Christ, to Jesus, to God. Yes, we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus. That's really the first step. When you see something that you ought not to look at, Look immediately to Jesus. Look immediately to Jesus. Because he's the one who's the author and finisher of our faith. Faith. Now see, this talks about a race. How many of you ever run in a race? Okay. You all run in a race. How many times have you run in a race, and you're running along, and you're running in that race, and all of a sudden you see over here on the side um, your favorite toy? How many of you ever stopped the race and picked up your favorite toy? None of you have? No, because you're in a race. The focus is on winning the race, right? Well, that's the way it is in life, too. Now, the thing with life is that it's not always our favorite toys. Because there's nothing wrong with the favorite toy. 
But so often we have temptations and things that distract us. Like if I were running a race and I were just running, running like this, how many of you would think it would be silly if as I was, I was running, I was, I was doing this? How many of you think that would be crazy? You all think that's crazy? Exactly. Well, in our world, there are things that will appear to us to distract us from the race we're running. And when those things appear to distract us, we right away need to look to Jesus. First thing. Now, you may say, what? But, Pastor, that's hard because, um, I mean, I can't see Jesus and I can see this temptation in front of me. Is that fair? When we look to Jesus here, it's, it's talking about a spiritual looking to Jesus. It's about our hearts, our spirit, looking to Jesus. So then what do our eyes need to look at? Well, sometimes our eyes just need to look away at nothing that's just look away, simply look away, um, and look in a different direction, turn around. Um, sometimes we need to keep our eyes and we need to look straight ahead. Um, I'll be candid. You can't even go down the highway sometimes without seeing things that we have to look away from, don't we? And you know what you do then? Well, especially if you're driving, but not just if you're driving. You're on a race. Look to Jesus and look straight ahead. Even in Proverbs, it talks about the one who looks right on ahead. You go to a grocery store. I'm thankful for some grocery stores where they don't have the magazines with bad pictures in the checkout lanes, but some do. You stand there and read the magazines and look at the pictures. You're waiting. You have nothing else to do. No. We look to Jesus. And you know what's a good idea? Just keep our eyes straight ahead. Just keep our eyes straight ahead. But you know what I found sometimes happens? That when we just say, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look, it really becomes hard not to look. So turn to another passage because I think that there's another passage that teaches us something here. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22. Here it says, flee also youthful lusts. Well, sometimes those things we're tempted by, we could call youth, youthful lusts. It doesn't mean that just youth are tempted, but it seems sometimes, sometimes, not always, that the youth are the ones who have to have the hardest time or haven't yet learned what to do when they see then they're confronted with youthful lusts. You know what lusts are? James, you know what lusts are? How about you, William? Something that you want. Exactly. Something that you desire. That's what lusts are. And sometimes lusts can be good and sometimes lusts can be bad, right? Here, these youthful lusts are taking a bad lusts. And what's it say? Flee. 
Let's see here. Nathan, have you ever been so afraid of something that you ran away from it? Yeah. Well, there are certain lusts, things that you want, that you need to run away from. Don't even go near it. There's one reason why there's certain places um, we don't go. We don't even go certain places. And even um, in certain grocery stores, there's certain parts of the store you don't go. I like one grocery store. I don't even go through the one kind of checkout lanes because there's no reason for me to even be tempted by the magazines and the racks. So I go to the, ra- the areas that don't have anything for that purpose. It's a, pe- it's a pre-fleeing from it. And, and there's other occasions where we just, we just run out of it. In a minute, we're going to come back to this. But before we come back to the question of fleeing, I, I said sometimes that when you say no, 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 no to something, it actually makes it harder. So what do you do in those cases? Well, look what it says here. It doesn't only just say to flee. That's one thing you can do is just get out of the situation. But follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You see, it's not just of saying, no, 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 I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to think about that. Take that time to take your eyes and your mind and your body to go do what's right and with those other people who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. This is all connected. You see it? It's all connected. So often, sometimes, when we find ourselves especially alone and tempted, it's not good that man should be alone. And we probably need to go find a brother or sister either in our own family or in our church, with whom we can go do something we need to do. Those things of righteousness, those things that are right before God, those things that are faithful, those things that are of faith and believing what God has said is true, those things that are of charity, that's real and true love. So often our temptations are to do things that are false and evil love and peaceful these are the things that need to be the priority. We do them with those that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So in some cases, we just get out of there. It's kind of hard sometimes when you're on the highway. But hey, there's certain routes you may avoid. Truly. I have purposely sometimes decided when I've had a daily commute one time through a certain area where I found a different route because it just was not right. And um, when I had it, you know, when it's a one-time trip through, it's, I'll keep my eyes straight on. But when it was that every day, I found a different route. I found a different route. It's flee. But let me give you another idea, because sometimes you're in a situation, let's go back to the grocery store situation. So what do you look at? What do you do? Well, maybe you ought to engage in a conversation with the people that are in front of you. You could witness to them. You could ask them how their day is going. You could offer to pray for them. You ever done that in a grocery store? It's kind of interesting, the responses you get. That's one way. Sometimes just look straight ahead. But the key thing is, is don't look and don't think about what is not right. And don't just put it in a, I won't do this, I won't do this, but replace it with something. Replace it with something that's so important that when we're thinking and we're taking captivity, every thought, every imagination, 
that is not just that we take it in captive and we stand there guarding over it. That's what we kind of think sometimes we do. No, taking captive of it is taking it captive and saying, that's yours, God, take care of it. I'm looking to you to take care of this. this is not, I'm not thinking about this. It's not about me guarding it, because if I'm doing that, I'm probably going to get in more trouble. So flee youthful lust, but follow. Don't just run away from it, because sometimes when we run away from something and we just do nothing, we're going to probably go right back into the trouble. You run away from it, and you follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Remember, Job, he says, I've made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? You know why that's so important? Especially in the world we live in? Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Peter chapter 2. In 2 Peter, the Holy Spirit inspired Peter to write some things about the world in which we live. And he described a group of people in the world in which we live. And the description in 2 Peter 2.14 is scary. But there's a reason God gave it to us here. There are people, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 14, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. There's some things I want to say, but I have innocent ears I don't want to say it in front of. Um, we have an epidemic in our society of eyes full of adultery who cannot cease from sin addiction oh oh if if this if this is you or you even find yourself tempted There's hope in Jesus. Look to Jesus. When the eyes are full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, look to Jesus. Find some people who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You may need to confess it to them so that they can realize the importance of the need to do with you in following after Righteousness, faith, charity, and peace. And oftentimes, it doesn't start by I having eyes full of adultery. It starts off when those little things, the second look, turns into a third look, a fourth look, to where you, find, you may find yourself full of adultery that cannot cease. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Flee it. Flee it. Make a covenant with your eyes. Make a promise to your eyes. We're not going to look at adulterous things. 
And when we do, we're going to look away. We're not going to put ourselves in a situation where we're going to be. We're going to flee it. We're going to run from it. It's sad that we talk about this. And it's sad that, you know, when I was a little boy, like you guys, the only way sometimes you would find these kinds of things, you'd, you you'd never think of being able to find them in your home. You know, they never, no way they'd get in your home, especially if you have a vigilant mom or dad watching the mailbox. You know, how would this kinds of thing get in your home? But um, I don't have my phone on me. We carry things in our pockets that can fill our eyes full of adulteries. Well, we got to be careful. We got to set those things up so that they're not able to go near the door of her house. That proverb, go not near the door of her house. I have a filter on my, all of my devices. And everybody's like, why do you need a filter? You're an adult. <laughs> I have a filter on my devices. Everyone needs to have a filter on their devices, even if you know the password. Um, because there's occasions I know where you may be in a business environment situation where you get, get filtered for when you aren't really be needing to be filtered and you may need to override it for some reason. Um, there's, other, there's ways of, even if you have it yourself or you have a trusted friend who can give it to you in a case of when you need to override it or you, um, and then reset it, whatever the case, it needs to be there. Um, it's not ideal that you have your own password, but at least have it there and have your own password. Have it there. Have it there set up. Doesn't matter who you are, how young or old you are, have them on there. And uh, it's, it's, it's an important piece because, again, it's, in a little, it's, it, it's hard that I have to deal with this, but I, in talking about it, I, I do because we have the opportunity for it to come in in so many different ways in the world we live today. And moms and dads need to be on guard. And by the way, kids, by what I just now said about even having the own password to it, um, no, you have to have a very good reason for that. So don't go saying, yeah, pastor said that I can have my own password, so give me the password, you know. Uh, no, no, especially if you have a problem, you don't have, it's not the point. I'm, I'm just, I'm giving that to you in case you think you have a legitimate reason not to have it. I'm giving you a legitimate alternative to still have it, even if there's a temporary disablement for a few minutes of it. Um, for something that you know is okay that the filter doesn't get. Have it. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. We could talk about some of these things, and um, it would be difficult to, dis to do it appropriately here in this. So let me... Let me read some scriptures to you. And dads, write down the scriptures. And um, as you feel appropriate and how you explain them to your boys, um, don't shy away from that. But um, I'm going to just read them. Um, I'm going to just read them. And I am thoroughly convinced that the scriptures here speak to children. And so it's very appropriate in that. Proverbs chapter 7. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 7.
As we read this chapter, I want to remind you of what Job said, that I've made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Don't let your imagination run away with the scandalous nature of what's being described here. Rather, take every thought captive. Proverbs 7, My son, he writes, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of thine eye. You know, this is the first lesson for dads. Are you giving your children words and commandments that they can lay up in their hearts, that they can keep as the apple of their eye, that they can live by? That's the introduction to this chapter. Father instructing his son. You giving them instructions in verse 3 that they can bind them upon their fingers and write them upon the table of their hearts. Here's the instructions he begins. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger, which flattereth with her words. The strange woman here is one who is strange to the righteous ways of God. She's a stranger to the right ways of God. That's what it means. And you notice here how the introduction is here? It's about having wisdom and about having understanding. They, along with the commandments of your father, will keep you from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. He goes on and tells a story. For out of the window of my house I looked through my casement, and behold, among the simple ones... I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding passing through the street near her corner and he went the way to her house in the twilight and the evening in the black and dark night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. Last week we were talking about clothing, even just this morning some about clothing. When you see the attire of a harlot and what's really shocking and horrific is that in many ways in our world today, it's a commonplace on the streets. It's just no longer in the, in the near her corner or in the, these, these scandalous places of town. It's in the common public places. Look what he describes here as he sees this simple one, this young man, simple young man, met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn, and her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. Just as a note, just because you see someone who's dressed that way, don't jump to the conclusion that she's lying in wait for you. But your response to the problem is still true. It says, So she caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry and carved works with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrhs, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with love. This is not real love. This is godless, false, evil, lust. She's lying to him. She goes on and says, For the goodman, the husband, is not at home. He's gone a long journey. He had taken a bag of money with him and will come at the day appointed. 
With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway. Look at this warning. He goes after her straightway. As an ox goeth to the slaughter. When you click through, when you follow after, when you keep looking, you're taking a step as if an ox is going to the slaughter. How many of you want to go to the slaughterhouse? Get, you know, chopped up, killed, hung up. You know, we think about that for cows, not people. This is a graphic picture. It's on purpose to wake us up. This is not something to play with. As an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. You know what the correction of the stocks are? You know what stocks are? Stocks are those things where they put your hands and your neck in between the boards that have the holes on them and your feet in them. You're just there. People come by and ridicule you and mock you and maybe throw rotten vegetables at you, that kind of thing. The stocks was a place of punishment. Sometimes a person was put in stocks and then whipped. And here he's describing that this is, you know, who would willingly go to the stocks and put their head in the stocks and put their arms in the stocks and say, okay, beat me. Throw rotten vegetables at me. To be doing what this man, this simple, foolish young man did is, is like that. <laughs> we wouldn't do that, would we? Till a dart, verse 23, till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteneth to the snare and knoweth not that it is for his life. This is talking about a trap. And a bird sees some delicious food in a trap. And the bird goes, oh, that looks good, that's good, good, and flutters down, right, into a trap. So often things are presented as good and desirable, but are they? No, it's just, it's just, a, sna it's just a snare, it's a trap. For here, this simple young man had said, for his life. And so this father says, Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children. Oh, let me tell you, boys. Learn these truths when you're young. Apply them and live them and know these truths when you're young and how to engage in these situations. It says, hearken unto me now, therefore. Hearken. We talked about that word before, right? Micaiah, what do you think hearken mean? You don't know what it means? You don't know? How about you, James? What do you think hearken means? This is a really important word in Proverbs. James or William? To listen. You're exactly right. But it's more than just to listen. It says to hearken. Are you all listening? Are you all hearing me right now? Well, I think everybody's hearing me, but Ethan over there has one deaf ear, so one deaf ear is not hearing me. But yet, he can still hearken to me. Hearken is not just hearing. Hearken is hearing and obeying. Hearken means that you hear something and you do something about it. You obey it. So he says here, hearken unto me now, therefore. Hearken, hearken, he says to his children. O ye children, hearken. Hearken and attend to the words of my mouth. Attend mean. Attend here has the idea of, of paying attention and, and doing something, again, about what you've heard and about these words. 
he says to his son, let not thine heart decline to her ways, go not astray in her paths. Notice it starts with that heart. All of these problems start in here. They start on the inside. And so we don't let our heart decline to her ways. Decline goes down into her ways. No, no, go not astray in her paths. You know, this is speaking of a very, the, the very end of a, of a conclusion of a matter. But so often, especially in the world we live in, there, there's little things along the way that desensitize us sometimes to then this. You know, we start to rationalize the second look, the third look, and oh, it's okay, I'm not hurting anybody to think about this. It's just in my head, not hurting anybody. It's not true. That kind of thing is going to lead to where it comes to this way. In fact, you might say, oh, but you know what? I don't have a problem. I'm strong. I got this. You know, this is kind of tough, especially for us dads in teaching our sons because we really like it when we see that our sons have got something, right? When they're able to do right, when they're able to do this particular chore or this particular skill or, or do something that we want them to do. But yet we have to be careful because in this case, some of the strongest men, I mean, we have David who is said to be a man after God's own heart. So here we see a man who in his own heart is this situation. And he was one cast down. He was one that was in a sense, slain. Look what he says here, this father. He warns, for she, the strange woman, hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. That's the reason, no matter how strong you are, there's certain things. No, you be aware. You protect your home, you protect yourself, you put the filters on your devices. Many strong men have been slain by her. Many cast down wounded. He goes on to just wake up, wake up. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. It's interesting how it speaks of the decline. It speaks of the way going down. Let, let me say, when you're, when you're young... Beware that there's the going down and avoid it, flee from it. And if you find yourself somewhere on that path, look up to Jesus. He'll pick you up out of it. He really is the only one who can pick you up out of it. And don't think you've gone so far that there's no picking up out of it. Jesus can pick you up out of it. Let him. Trust him. Look to Jesus. We don't have time to go into it, but Proverbs chapter 5 is very similar in the same instructions, the same instructions given, the similar warnings there. Well, we have time to read it. Um, I'll, 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 let me be really candid with you dads. This is an uncomfortable, both of these chapters are uncomfortable. It's just like, you know, we don't read these kinds of things to our kids. We don't let our kids read novels and books that have this kind of content in it. 
And I agree with you, I don't either. So what's different? This is an inspired record from the Lord God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And I am thoroughly convinced that so often we've avoided having these conversations or even simply reading these passages because we think they're uncomfortable or we don't want to, to ruin an innocency when we need to leave that in God's hands and let his word do the work it will do. I hear you. I struggle knowing and having discernment of how much to explain. That's a difficulty. It's a very, very big difficulty. But definitely I'm thoroughly convinced in reading it there is great value. We don't know, especially now in our world where, you know, one way you could keep your kids at home and know they were guarded and sheltered from so much. That's not so anymore. And so these truths need to be there and even given opportunities to be discussed. There's a sense in which you may tell your children to wait. I have. There's a brilliant illustration from Corey Ten Boom that she shares. I've shared it before with you where, you know, one day she had a question in relation to things of physical intimacy and she asked her dad about it and um, she happened to have been asking her dad about it in a public place at a public time. Isn't that interesting how children have a way of doing that? Um, and in that particular case, she was too young and, and her daddy was carrying a suitcase and he just had it sitting there and he, and he said to Corey, Corey, pick up my suitcase. And she tried to grab it and she's just little, you know, can't pick it up. She's like, Daddy, I can't. And he said to her, well, there's some things that are too heavy for me, that are too heavy for you to carry in knowledge. And so you wait and when you're ready to carry things in knowledge, I'll tell you. And um, that's true. I'm, I'm convinced that Casper Ten Boone was wise in that, and that illustration is a brilliant illustration. Um, but I, I would not take that to say that you shelter your children from anything that is in the sacred written scriptures. I think this is real. Proverbs 5, My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow down thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as an honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood. I have some wormwood on order, so you can all try it out. You read that word, and you have no idea what it means, don't you? How many of you have ever tasted wormwood? None of you. So you don't even know what this is talking about. You've tried it? No, yeah. He just, <laughs> you know what? God said it. Um, I have it on order because, in a sense, I want to be realized of the shock of it in my own mind because I need to. Here's, here's why I think it's a big deal. <laughs> you don't have to try it, but this is why I want to try it. Because in our society, it's so desensitized, it's so all of this evil is acted as if it's normal, and it's even sweet, and it's good. And, and, and the same way that we would react to Wormwood is really the way we should be reacting to this whole world. That's why I want to try it out. Is that fair? 
So if you want to try it out with me, let me know. You all know what sharp as a two-edged sword is. You don't have to try that one out either. You don't have to try it out. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life. And I hope we all do. I hope we all are pondering the path of life. Her ways are movable. Oh, I can't not know them. You think you've got your sure footing and you won't. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her and come not nigh the door of her house, lest thou give thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger, and thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed and say, How have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof? And have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. Again, this is for all of us to hear and to recognize as we are instructed and taught, but it also is a reminder that you are teachers, dads, and you have a responsibility. Even these instructions, will your children one day, when they find, if they, God forbid, find themselves in sin, remember your words or you sharing the words of God? God forbid that they ever find themselves there, but if they do, will they remember your words? And if you do find yourself there, even if your father didn't share these words with you, you hear them now from God, the heavenly father. The one who says, I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and the assembly. Some people, I'll be candid, in my growing up, I oftentimes, well, as a family, we read the Proverbs regularly and we didn't skip anything, but I've, I had heard sermons. So many of the sermons I had heard read from verse 1 through 14, and then for some reason they skipped all the way from verse 15 down through 19. I'm sorry, I know it's maybe awkward, but I'm going to read it. Drink waters out of thine own cistern, and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad, and rivers of water in the streets. Let them be only thine own, and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravaged always with her love. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravaged with a strange woman, and embrace the bosom of a stranger? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. I do want to bring your attention to verse 21. Both in marriage and in life, in all of our propriety, the way that we conduct ourselves, things that we look at, things we don't look at, things we think about, things we ought not to think about. Remember verse 21, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord and he pondereth all his goings. God sees everything. That's one reason why it's disturbing when anyone is resistant to a filter or something on your device that is accountable to someone else because... Why is it so scary to share something with mom or dad or a brother in Christ? God already knows it. It's no secret to God. God knows everything, and that's what really matters. That's what really matters. 
And sometimes it's important, I think, healthy for us to have that with someone else to, to keep that in mind. Oh, yeah, so-and-so will get screenshots of what I'm looking at. Do I want them seeing what I'm looking at? Why is it that we ask that question with human beings? If we forget that God sees it all the time and even what's in here. So we need to be recognizing that the ways of the Lord are before the eyes of the Lord and he pondereth all his goings. So in conclusion, let me turn you back to where we started. Hebrews 12.1, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. There's where we start. Look to Jesus. When you're asking yourself the question, what do I look at? How do I deal with this? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the author and finisher of our faith. We thank you that we can look to you. We thank you that we can trust you. Lord, I pray that you'll be with each one of us as men, as young men, and even as boys, that we might live our lives righteously before you, that we may truly follow after righteousness, faith, charity, and peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ who call upon you from a pure heart. Lord, may that be how we live and may that be our focus. May we all truly make a covenant with our eyes and think not upon those things we ought not to. May we indeed take captive all thoughts and imaginations of our mind and heart, giving them to you as we look to you, as we trust in you, as we receive the victory from you and through you. Lord, I pray that you be with dads here as they teach their boys, as they answer their boys' questions. Give them great wisdom. Give them courage. Help them in these conversations. And Lord, may we all be drawn closer, closer to you. So we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you all so much. Yes, sir.